All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. And we're going to do several verses as my text tonight. Uh, we're in a series, and uh, you young preachers could preach a lot more if I wasn't in a series, because I don't like to break them. And uh, I really appreciate what God's done in my life, especially in last week's message. Not that I'm full of pride, but I could be, uh, suddenly. But uh, I preached on humility last Wednesday. And uh, a lot of y'all are so humble, you're proud of it, and you, you didn't have to come. But um, I needed that message. I really did. Because humility or pride can be so subtle. And then the week before, we preached on intercession, and the week before was communion, and the week before was love. And all those four traits are a measure of a spiritual Christian. We're talking about evaluating our life through God's perspective. And that's what really counts. It's not what people think about you. It's what God knows about you that counts. Amen? And that's called character. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, tonight, the fourth, isn't it, Brother uh, Cody, fourth? I believe it's the fourth. Maybe fifth. Love, communion, intercession, humility. Fifth. Amen. I didn't take math. Too good. Uh, the fifth characteristic or measurement of a spiritual Christian is obedience. One word, obedience. We evaluate our life from God's perspective. And uh, there's a great blessing from obedience. Uh, if you don't believe it, uh, when your child obeys, uh, you want to do almost anything for them. When they disobey, you don't want to do a thing for them. Amen? Matter of fact, you want to whoop them. That word whoop means uh, discipline, correction. Uh, I wanted to translate that for you from the British background. Uh, you know, we, we, we need to realize that one of the greatest attributes of a son and the greatest attribute of a daughter is that they're an obedient, respectful child to their parents. Say amen. I mean, folks, uh, you can go a long, long, long ways in being obedient. You know what's wrong with America right now? People are rebelling against authority. Amen. I mean, some of it's bad, I know, but not all of it's bad. Hey, listen, I've had preacher friends fall in adultery. So don't, don't class me in that, say amen. You know, say amen, Miss Connie. Nobody else is. But, you know, I, I'm just saying, listen, just because one preacher falls, I don't mean all preachers are bad. Just because one policeman made a mistake or crazy or whatever, I don't know. I didn't went to court yet. And the last time I checked, you're innocent until proven guilty uh, in the court of law. But I want to tell you something. We shouldn't just... Throw Aunt Jemima in the garbage can. Say amen. That's all I'm going to say. Amen. First John 1 John 1.9. I, I said I wasn't going to touch that. My wife told me three times, don't hit that tonight. Don't hit that tonight. I said, Miss Holy Spirit, I'll hit it if I want to. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I want to eat for a week. Amen. And I don't need to eat for a week. Amen. Isn't that great about Brother Also? I'll tell you what. All of you that think that that thing is a democratic conspiracy, look at Brother Austin. You'll find out it's not. The Democrats didn't fill his lungs with that mucus and that disease, that's a virus. And so y'all, you don't want to just, you want to be, you want to just be tough and go ahead and charge hell with a squirt gun. Go ahead, but you're gonna get burned. Amen. I can give you three churches that shut down right now because of their flippancy and their uh, off the camera undisciplined. Amen. I'm really getting in trouble because there are a lot of people watching this broadcast. Amen. But I want to say this. Thank God for your compliance and thank God for your cooperation. Some of you bad-mouthed me. 
But I, you know, I, I don't take it personal. Uh, we're trying to get through this thing together. Amen. And I appreciate your submission, especially you leaders submitting to something you don't even like. But there's a lot of things I don't like. That's called, that's called obedience to authority. There's authority. There's a God-given authority in this world. It's the Word of God. It's also law and order. Don't, don't get to that again. It's authority. Amen? Good night. Look at 1 John 1, 7. Let's stand on the Word of God. I measure, this is a, this is a very unusual, this is a topical series. I don't like that. I like expository, go through a whole book. But I have really been blessed through this. And uh, tonight is, you measure your life by one word, obedience. You're a good son or daughter to the living God if you're obeying God. Look at verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, 1 John. It says, but we walk in the light as he's in the light, and we have fellowship one with another, because the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And then it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I want you to underline that phrase, and the truth is not in it. That doesn't mean that you're memorizing the Word of God. That doesn't mean you just know the Word of God. That means that you heed to the Word of God. Now turn over to 1 John, uh, or turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Turn over sounds like you're turning over to go to sleep. So don't turn over, amen. Look at verse uh, 3, uh, 1 John 3, 21. It says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. Now listen to this. And whatsoever we ask, I love this, we receive of him because we, what? Keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Look at verse 23. And this is, this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the, the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. And he gave us commandments. Now turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. God. How many has been born of God? Say amen. And everyone that loveth him and begotteth loveth him also that begotteth of him. But listen to this. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Look at verse 3 now. And this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. How many's ever asked your child after you fix them a filet mignon, baked potato, and salad, and that you asked them to take the garbage out, and they kicked it halfway across the kitchen before they get out the door. Now, I'm going to tell you, if that happened in my house, they would have they had to come back and do that again. Say amen. And uh, there might have been somebody else kicking them but, uh, in, the, in the love of God. But I want to say this, friend, that grieves a parent. Folks, it's not just you obey God, it's how you obey God. And I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to stop doing this, and I ought to learn after 46 years of preaching, full-time ministry, about 50 years of preaching, 56 years of being saved. But Lamar called me up Monday and said he was sick Sunday morning, but he said, I've been saved 50 years today, and boy, was he rejoicing, praising God over the phone, shouting it out. He was just having a good time about being 50 years old in the ministry. But I want to tell you something, folks. We need to obey God willingly. And as a preacher, I don't think that I should apologize for, for asking you and pointing out that you know, need to obey God in soul winning, in missions, in giving. It's just from God.
So let's be seated, and I'll preach just a few minutes. Father, thank you for the good message, Brother um, Andrew brought. It was organized. It was right to the point. And Lord, it stirred my heart about praying by faith and praying fervently, and praying scripturally. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that you would help us, Lord, to realize the true characteristic of a spiritual Christian is summed up in this word, obedience. God, help us to obey God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, tonight I want you to think about something. What marks a good Christian? What's a, what's a measuring stick? I believe it's the character and the walk with God. That's what you really are and what you really do. God and his uh, word is, listen to this, is intensely practical. His word is intensely practical. When God says something, you won't have to know Greek. You won't have to know Hebrew. What you need to know is English. He said it, believe it, and heed it. Obey God rather than yourself, rather than man. And since time began, obedience has been the necessary ingredients for God's economy. In Genesis, look at chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. The Bible says this. You know, I love Master Club because it goes to 8.30 and I just feel like I got all the time in the world. When we don't have Master Club, I feel like at 8 o'clock, y'all ready to go home. And that, I just love Master Club. I, we got to get that back somehow. Amen. I don't know when. I don't know how. Uh, let's just pray. But listen, I want, to, I want you to see this. It says in Genesis chapter 2, and I want you to look at verse uh, 16 and 17, please. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. The Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. Look at verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for it is the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. I mean, in the beginning, God commanded man and woman to do something. And he said, if you don't do it, you're going to die. And I want to say this, friend. Revival, summed up, is simply doing exactly, doing exactly what you're told to do with a proper attitude, empowered by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. That is revival. Revival is doing exactly what you are told to do from God. He's authority. Praise God. He's God. He's Lord. He's almighty. And folks, it's, it's a proper attitude. So the great need of the church is not more preaching and not more teaching or even more motivation. What the greatest need in our church is is obedience. The greatest need in your children's life is obedience. If they're not good followers, they're going to be sorry leaders in the, in the future. If they don't learn submission, they will be terrible leaders. Because they'll never learn the valuable lesson. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 7, Matthew 12, verse 34, he called the disciples vipers, wicked, snakes. I won't tell you why. Because they said one thing and they did another. They said one thing and they lived another life. Their character was blemished. And he rebuked them severely. He called them whited sepulchers, just whitewashed. 
but inside they were, they were cankerous and, and, and malignant and, and not real. Folks, God help us not to be Pharisees. God help us not to just be Baptist by name, but have convictions and, and, and be obedient. That, that ought to be the trait of your life is that you're obedient. That you're obedient when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. When everybody else does it, but you, you said, I'm going to obey God rather than the crowd. So number one, obedience is the key. Number one, obedience is the key. It's a key to what? Well, number one, to cleansing and holiness. The Bible says we walk in the light as he's in the light. We have fellowship one with another because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. And folks, the Bible says if you say you have not sinned, you make God a liar. And folks, the moment you break his commandment, the moment you say no, the moment you resist the spirit and don't yield to the spirit, there's sin in your life, and therefore you're out of fellowship with God. You're not holy. You're, folks, there's a holiness about the Christian life. Holiness means godliness, and godliness means godlikeness. And if you've ever want to see a, a, a godly example of obedience, look to Philippians chapter 2 where he came to us who knew no sin and became sin, and then he counted as no reputation to become a humble servant of God and was obedient even unto death of the cross. And so number two, uh, the obedience is the key to the communi communion and fellowship. We went over that. We walk with him. We talk with him a long last way. Uh, John chapter 4 verse 24 says we worship in the spirit and the truth. Folks, we worship in the truth. That means we hear the truth, but we heed the truth. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Hearing does not mean audibly. It means volitionally. You, do you hear me? Your parents have said that often, had not they? Are you listening to me? They don't mean did you hear uh, from your ear, but did you hear from your heart, and are you heeding what, he's, what they said? And then number three, obedience is the key to confidence in prayer. I've already read the verse, but I want to read it again. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, it says, Beloved, if our heart condemneth not, then we have confidence towards God. I'm going to say this. If you have an ought against a brother, or, a bro or as Brother uh, Andrew's already preached, or a brother has ought against you and you don't get it right, when you kneel on your knees, you have a conscience that's defiling. You have a blockage in not your artery, but you have a blockage in your heart. I refuse to hold a grudge because a grudge will hold me away from my prayer life. I cannot afford to be bitter. Matter of fact, I've seen it over and over again in the 42 years I've been here. 42, I cannot believe that. Uh, and I can't believe I'm old as I am. Last week I turned uh, 59 plus 10. And one of the missionaries that we just uh, supported said, said, Preacher, you don't look a day over 50. And I said, okay, what do you, you want another meeting or what? I said, that's, you're lying out your teeth. But, uh, you know, folks, listen, God help us to realize that the older we get, the closer to God we ought to get. And some people get so old and cantankerous and grumpy and gripey and get away from God and they lose their confidence in prayer and they're just stayed away from God and they're distant from God and they asked to miss, to consume it upon their own lust because they're in the flesh. We must pray in the Spirit. And that means the Holy Spirit examines our life and we confess our sins before Him. 
and we get right with God, and then he escorts us into the uh, presence of God, and we ask for miracles, and God gives those miracles for his glory. Number four, it's a key to blessing. It's a key to blessing. I'm going to tell you some obedience. I like that little song. Obedience is the very best way. That's not even scriptural. Obedience is the very is the only way. It's not just the best way. It's it's the I just destroyed some child song. I'm sorry. Amen. Uh, it is the best way, but it there's it's it's the only way. It's the only way. It's the only way to have blessings from God and be a blessing for God. And let the Holy Spirit be a blessing through your vessel. Look at first or excuse me, James chapter 1, verse 22. Don't you love the book of James? Boy, that's maturity. I'll tell you what, it'll get you straightened out quick if you just meditate on it. It says, but verse 22, James 1. You got me? Everybody got your Bible? We're not palm readers, we're Bible readers. It says, but the, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. You're deceived if the only thing you do is come to church. But look at verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. How many has ever brushed your teeth and left a whole lot of it on your beard? Or you that can't grow a beard like me, you left a lot on your face. And you walked out and your wife, thank God, had enough courage to say, hey, listen, you got half of the Colgate still on your face. You better wipe it off. Come on now. And folks, I want to tell you something. This is what this verse says. Who is it that looks in a mirror and sees the dirt, sees the toothpaste dripping down your chin and doesn't wipe it off? Look at verse 24. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what matter man he is. Listen, don't get used to sin. It says this. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being for... Not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Folks, the key, the very key to your blessings in your life is obedience. And you know, a lot of people struggle with this. They say, I don't see why God doesn't bless me. That's because you never come to church. You never pray. You don't even read your Bible. And you're wondering why God ain't blessing you. Folks, this ain't let's make a deal. It's not bless me, then I'll get into action. Is that you be obedient to God in everything he says and respect him enough to bow before him as Lord and then God will use you. Period. And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stop apologizing, saying let's go so when. I'm going to stop begging. I might even stop serving breakfast, praise God. And so you ought to just want to come visit because it's God's commandment. We are to go. Go. That's a definite command. Look at Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. I would say it just came to mind, but I think it's right up there, isn't it? Amen. Malachi, yeah. The blessings come from Malachi 3.10. Look at this. The Bible says, Verse 8, will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me, but ye pay there, and have ye robbed thee in tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Look at this. Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse, 
That's the, that's the local church, by the way. There'll be me meet in mine house and prove me now. Prove God now. Herein, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing, there's the topic, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devourer, the devil, for your sakes, and ye shall not destroy the fruits of the ground, neither shall your vines cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Folks, I want to tell you something. I tithe because I love God. But second of all, I tithe because I fear God. I prove I fear God. You, you, you think for a second I'd get up here and preach. Sometimes I'll fill in my pocket and my envelope's in there with my tithe and offering. I'll give it to Jason. Go put it in the box. I forgot that, I forgot that box back there. Because I usually have the usher. And I, I want to give. I want to set a good example. But that's not the reason. I want to be right with God. I won't stand up here in the flesh saying, I ain't even tithe. You say, well, it's in, your, it's in your pocket. He understands. I know he understands, but it's important to me to do that first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, uh, uh, yesterday, I think, Jason was talking to somebody, and he said, man, we sure miss you. He says, hey, listen, I listen to every service, and I send my tithe online. Now, he told the wrong person he sent his tithe online because he's the one that, Restures all the tithes. But I want to tell you something. If there's ever a time that I'd tithe, it's when there's a deadly virus going around. I'd be, I wouldn't want to be out of the will of God right now and say amen. Now, I'm not saying that Brother Austin did not tithe. Are you listening, Brother Austin? I'm sure he tithe. Matter of fact, he just gave $5,000 to the count. I said, man, you're just trying to raise $200,000. You're giving more away than you're getting. It wasn't because he was out of the will of God. It was the will of God. I mean, it was, well, I ain't going to go to there, but I don't know why somebody gets it. But I'm going to tell you something. He was really struggling for life. And we prayed. And it's been four weeks in the hospital. You know what four weeks in a hospital is like? I don't know. I don't want to find out. But I'm going to tell you this, friend. If you want the blessings of God, you better obey God. I'm not saying you're going to be exempt from the virus. I'm just going to say, if you do get it, God will give you grace to get through it. But if you don't, you're on your own. I don't want to be on my own. I don't want to have a consciousness file, and I don't want to be distant from God in these last days. I want to be right with God, and the only way to be right with God is obey God. Obey God. Shall a man rob God? And I'm not talking about just tithes and offerings. God gave you life. And that life is his. You're not your own. So it's only your reasonable service that you be a missionary. It's only your reasonable service you be a soul winner. It's only your reasonable service that you be a teacher. It's only your reasonable service that you be faithful. It's only your reasonable service that you be a good Christian by practice and not just by name. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 28. That was a good verse on the famine in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Look at verse 26. Deuteronomy 11, 26. The Bible says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Now listen, I'll try to hurry. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I have commanded you this day and go after other gods which you have not known. 
Let me read that again. A blessing if you obey the commandment of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I commend you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. Folks, I have never seen such chaos and confusion in my life as in the United States of America today. And folks, one thing that I would like to put on the streets, and if I ever go campaign on the street, it's not going to be with a Confederate flag, flag or a Trump banner, and it's not going to be uh, taking sides. I'd like to go right down the middle of the road and say, God loves all of you. I really would. I almost did it the other night. My wife constrained me. I probably got shot by both sides. But folks, listen, I ain't going to take no sides. I'm going to take God's side. God loves everybody, whosoever. We're the biggest hypocrites in the world if we send all of my family to South Africa and don't like black people. And don't love black people. Come on, say amen. I think every black person ought to join the Independent Baptist Church because we send more missionaries to the black people than we do anywhere. That's right. Come on. So before you get racist, you better get scriptural and realize God so loved the world. Amen. But at the same time, we need to respect authority. We need to respect people who put their life on the line to keep us at peace and safety. God help us. What we want to do is just do away with all the authority. You know what that would be? Anarchy and chaos. And another Wendy's will get burned up. i got to stop right there. The secret to all the miracles was obedience. What happened at the Red Sea? Obedience. Touch the water. Step out. The feeding of the 5,000 Obedience. The raising of a Lazarus. Obedience. The day when the Spirit of God fell on the day of Pentecost. They all were on one accord praying because God said, do it. There's an upper room before there's a Pentecost. And those disciples went to that room. And they prayed. Why? Because the Lord told them to. Number two, obedience, the measure of spirituality. i got to hurry. Measure your love for Christ by your total obedience to God. I love these verses, and I don't have time to read them all, but um, John 14, um, verse 15. I think I put that backwards in the outline. No, John 14, 15. I want you to look at it real quick, real quick. This is a real test. This is a real measurement of your life. I mean, don't measure your life by the worst hypocrites you can find. Everybody wants to find somebody, well, I don't beat my wife like him. Well, congratulations. I'm glad you don't beat your wife. But that don't make you spiritual because you don't. It don't make you spiritual if you do either. But I'm gonna see, I want you to look at this, 15. And I want you to look at John 14, 15, please, real quick. The Bible says this. It says, if you, it says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Number one, obedience measures your spirituality and it measures your love for Christ. Your love for Christ. And then it measures your faith. Folks, obedience measures your faith. You say, well, I got a lot of faith. 
Not if you don't obey God. Look at James chapter 2, back in James chapter 2, and the book of maturity again. And look at verse 20. The Bible says in James 2, 20, it says, But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And it says, Show me your faith by your works. And Abraham was justified before men. I preached that on Father's Day this Sunday. Can't wait. But folks, he wasn't justified before God. You measure your love by obedience. You measure your faith by obedience. And then you measure your consecration. Not concentration, but your consecration by your obedience. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. A man got up at Lupton Drive Baptist Church. You think 10 minutes is a short time, but this preacher, and I think I'm right to say that he is still pastoring over there on West Side. His name is Edwards. Plays a piano like nobody's business. But they called him on a camp meeting. You know, in a camp meeting, you always get up, you want to try to really let her rip. You don't have one of these dead speeches. You let her rip. And he got up, and he stood there, and he looked at me first and he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Then he looked at somebody over here and he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Then he looked over here at somebody, I guess, sleep or whatever, I don't know. And he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Then he said, out. I don't remember another message out of that whole camp meeting. But I remember that 30-second message. Now, don't y'all wish I could do that? But listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. You know what this means? Folks, you can come to every worship service we ever have, and if you go out and hold a grudge and talk about people and get mad and get even mad at your husband or your wife or your children and get in the flesh, then your obedience is better than sacrifice. Folks, sacrifice means you give an offering. And you know the story in 1 Samuel 15. He was supposed to uh, destroy everything, and there was a bleeding of, of sheep. In the background, Samuel looked at uh, Saul and said, what is this sound of a, of a, and he said, well, I got that for sacrifice. I'm taking that home to worship with. And he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. You do what I tell you to do. He was trying to get a better service worked up. He was trying to have a better sacrifice. And he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. So I want to tell you something. You want to judge your consecration. It's not how many times you go to church. I didn't think I'd ever preach this. It's not how many times you sing in the choir. He said, when you get home, you obey God. And you read your Bible, you pray, and you go soul winning, and you talk to people about Jesus, and you tithe, capital T-I-T-H-E, isn't it? Tithe. I used to think it was T-I-E, because it really tied me down, I thought. But it's tithe, one-tenth up front, then mission given. Thank God, Brother Underwood's going to Argentina because somebody's given to missions. Amen. Oh, folks, listen. 1 Corinthians 13 says you're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal if you don't love. But I'll say this. If you don't obey, then you don't love. You can, be a, you can offer your body as a sacrifice, the Bible says in verse 3. And so you measure your faith, you measure your love, you measure your consecration, by obedience, but fourthly, you measure your lordship in your life, Christ's lordship in your life, 
by obedience. Look to Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Luke 6, 46. Well, I'll tell you what, everybody's listening. This is good. This is spooky. Look at Luke 6, 46. And for some reason, I'm having a hard time seeing. Does that come with age? Peyton, does that come with age? You can't see? Okay, anyway. Look at Luke 6, 46. I mean, I got trifocals on. Good night. What else are you going to put on? Binoculars? But look at 6, 46. And he called, and he said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Man, what a question. He said, hey, boys, why are you calling me Lord? You want him to obey? So I guess you shouldn't ever call God Lord if you're not obeying. He's Lord, but I mean, you're going to call him your personal Lord. Don't mouth it. Show it. Walk it. Obedience to God there's two forms of obedience. The general command is God's word. And you know, he tells you to tithe, be pure. Uh, he tells you to go to church. Forsake not the sin of yourselves together. He tells you to read your Bible. He tells you to be a good light, testimony, salt. It's, it's right here. This is the general will of God. He tells your children, you children, obey your parents. If you don't obey your parents, I'm going to tell you something, you'll never make it in life. And God can take you home early for not obeying your parents. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6. Your days will be long. But you know, forgiveness, restitution, purity, it's all right here. That's the general will of God. But then there's the most definite personal will of God. Preach. That's personal. You better be God called. Go on the mission field. That better be a call. Because once you get over there, it's not as exciting as you think it is. It's a battle. It's a warfare. Uh, sacrificial giving is a, is a command, a God call, personal. Maybe God lays on your heart, you have a certain amount to missions per year, and you can't even figure that amount. And see, folks, you'll never know the specific will of God until you obey the general will of God. You don't, if you don't walk in the light God gives you, He won't give you any personal light. In other words, you won't know the secrets. You won't know Him personally. You won't be a friend of Jesus because you keep His commandments. And so, folks, Genesis 22 is an example of that. He went and sacrificed, he's going to sacrifice His son. I'll preach on that Sunday. Philip left a great revival to go witness this one guy, Ethiopian eunuch, in a, uh, almost said a trailer, in a, in a chariot. In a mobile home, he went to the mobile, no, no, amen. And then Ananias, God told him to disciple who? The murderer of all murderers for Christians, Apostle Paul, then Saul. And he said, are you sure? Because he's been killing Christians last time I checked. But he went on anyway, and he discipled Paul. How would you like that a Sunday school class? And then last but not least, how do you measure your obedience? How do you measure your obedience? Well, first of all, you measure your obedience on how quickly you obey. Once you know God's will, once you know God's will, your obedience should be glad and instant. That's the key. Quickly. Quickly. That's the blue key for all you children. Thought I'd do something for you tonight. And then 
you measure your obedience by how faithful you are. Faithful to pray. Faithful to persevere. Keep on being faithful. And then you measure your obedience by how humbly you obey. How humbly do you obey? I mean, I've seen people actually come to church mad because they had to be here. Mama had me come here and got rope burns around your neck. You look like you're about to die. You look at me like I'm your enemy and I'm just trying to be your best friend by preaching against sin and preaching for the Lord. And I want to tell you something, friends. Some people, you can see it on their face. You're not humbly obeying. You know you won't eat today if you don't come to church. You know you won't get that car for your birthday, that brand new car. You won't get that if you don't come to church. And you come dragging in here, well, I guess I got to go. Keep peace, you know. They're going to fuss at me all week if I don't. That's a bad attitude. We ought to humbly count every act of obedience as a privilege, an honor. God lets you do something. God lets you go on visitation. God lets you run that bus. And then your motive. How do you measure your obedience? Not only by your how faithful and quickly and instantly. Uh, delayed obedience is disobedience. If you have to be beat into submission, then you're not really obedient. But your motive, it's not seen of man, but seen of God. Motive is very important. What should be the motive? Please God. And to bring glory to His name. Bring joy to His heart. He's done enough for you. Why can't you do something for Him? And you know what He wants you to do? It's very simple. One word. Obey. Obey! It's better than sacrifice. You measure your obedience by the faithfulness and the totality of it. And you'd measure by your cheerfulness. That's a motive. You cheerfully give. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But also you measure your, your faith by your yieldingness and your consecration and your faithfulness. You're completely obeying. Everything you have is God's. Look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And I'll close. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. I went right past it, I'm sorry. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. The Bible says this. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now listen to this. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have, what's the next word? Commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. You know how we ought to disciple people? Teach them to obey. Teach them obedience. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's nothing worse than a grown-up baby burning up stores, looting, looting things, hurting people, killing people because they never had a father. They never had a mother. I want to tell you the whole root problem of all this in America. There's no family structure anymore. There's no obedience anymore. There's no reverence to position of fatherhood and motherhood. Folks, we can save America one family at a time. We're not to be called caution lights. 
We're to say, no, that's wrong, that's sin. You will not go out of this house with that attitude. I mean, you got to start when they're two months old, too, because you can't think they're going to turn when they're teenagers. That's right. Oh, friend, it's a full-time job. Sometimes we just say, well, they'll work it out. They'll just sort of sway into it. No, I want to tell you something. They will go down the drain because the, the current is against God. And somebody's got to be the stabilizer. Somebody's got to be the position of, hey, thus saith the Lord, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's not, well, if you feel like it, Junior, we'll get up and go to church this morning. Oh, you got a little headache? I, t I had a thermometer in my house, praise God, and they had to be running a fever to miss church. That's right, fever. I mean, not just 98.8. It had to be COVID-20, I mean, 102 or something, amen, and then they could get out of it. We're so, we're so, we're so, we're, we're so pitiful today that we let our kids run the house. And folks, that's the group out in the street burning up the Wendy's because somebody's shot in the parking lot. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but Wendy's didn't do anything to them. It's this aggravated violence in their heart because somebody didn't discipline them when they were kids. Somebody said, here's the boundary, Junior. You're not stepping over it. You'll have to go through me first. Yeah. Oh, but we want to be their buddy. We'll be their best friend. Folks, you ought to be their buddy and their best friend. And the greatest discipline you have is that it breaks the father's heart. It breaks their heart to grieve the father because you have such a close relationship. And I want to tell you something. You can be a good father and they'll still go cockeyed. Folks, listen, we got to get back to total, unconditional consecration, commitment to God, obedience. And you are known by your obedience. You're known by your love, but the Bible says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Two statements, I'm closed. Obedience is doing what I have been asked to do the first time, completely, joyfully, and without complaint. Most people do it the second time because they know they're going to get a beating. They do it the third time because they know they won't get to talk to their girlfriend for a week. That's worse than a beat. They do it the fourth time because they want to eat the next meal. Amen? What you ought to do it the first time, the first time completely joyfully and without complaint, because I'm going to tell you something, friend. The reason you are in a home and the reason that I'm in a home is because there was a mama that sacrificed to get me into life. There was a daddy, my daddy might have drank a lot, but I want to tell you something, he worked his head off to put food on the table and to put two pair of overhauls on and climbed up a metal roof every day of his life, even with a hangover, to put, put uh, food on my, uh, in my stomach. And I'm still going to respect him. Folks, obedience. And I will say this, friend, the Heavenly Father's never done any of those things. All the Heavenly Father's done is love you and send His only begotten Son to purchase your salvation. Let me just say last but not least, the way out of spiritual paralysis and back into uh, 
to a beautiful, vital communion with God. It's summed up in 261, Brother Randy, trusting and obeying. You want to have revival? You want to have communion with God? You want to have fellowship with God? Then walk in the light. And that light is the Word of God. And when he says do it, ask him how much you want me to do it, God, and I'll do it. Not, well, I got five excuses, and this is really not my personality. And it's not my preference. I'm sure the martyrs that gave their life, it wasn't their preference. But they did it anyway. And they were obedient. Father, use this message. Lord, I hope I hadn't got off and run no rabbits. I pray to God that we stayed on course with this one word, obedience. Because, Lord, I don't want to be mean. I just want our folks to be blessed. I want our teenagers to grow up to be respectful gentlemen of God that marry some submissive, loving wife. I want our girls to grow up and, and realize that the greatest honor they could have is to follow a man of God to wherever God wants them to go or be. Lord, I we just pray that you teach us a valuable lesson trust and obey you no matter what. May they know that we're real Christians by our obedience. And may we, dear God, the next time we fall on our knees and try to pray, examine our hearts and make sure there's not one act or thought of obedience in our heart that we can have a clear conscience and confidence towards thee. Lord, thank you that your commandments are not grievous, but it's a privilege to do anything that you asked us to do. And we praise you for the Holy Spirit that gives us the power of obedience.